Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. Gang, for the first time in four and a half months, there was hockey! I'm watching hockey right now, I have it on, I'm looking, it looks like I'm looking at my cast on my screen, but it's actually the TV behind them. Uh, I've been watching it all day, it's been a good time. Let's just get right into it, because we actually have hockey content to talk, aga- uh, talk about. Uh, if I didn't say it already, my name's Bill Matsumi, Director of Fun and Games. Let's get to the intros, lead it off with Canada's own Kelly Hinkle. I missed you guys last week. I just wanted you to know that. And also, um, like, I knew I missed hockey, specifically the Flyers, but, like, actually sitting down on the couch and watching hockey games has just – I feel so good. Like, I just feel good. (laughs) It's nice. It's like we we talked about it in my post game last night. Like, uh, it was weird – because it feels like it shouldn't be happening, but also felt right. Like, ah, yes, it's back. Because we basically went through an off season, but also, like, it's 140 outside. So hot. <laughs> like, it, it just didn't, like, it just feels off, but the whole, you know, world is off. So, at least we have the hockey. Indeed. Roughly 140 degrees. About. It's disgusting. I got it's into disgusting. a whole thing on about Celsius in the post game, and I was like, I don't oh, know what dear. that is. It's fake. Yeah. From okay. TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So, one thing I'll say about it, and I haven't watched any of the games that weren't the Flyers, because I haven't had time to watch any other games that weren't the Flyers, but I obviously watched the Flyers, and I obviously watched it on television, because I'm not in the bubble, and I was pleasantly surprised at how much it kind of felt like a normal hockey game. Like, I watched baseball games that felt incredibly weird, I've watched basketball scrimmages that honestly were even weirder because all you can freaking hear are squeaks and the occasional Joel Embiid shout. But, like, this sort of felt, and it was our our former uh, fearless leader, Travis Hughes, who pointed this out, and I think it makes a lot of sense, it sort of felt and sounded like an outdoor game where, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. the crowd isn't right up next to the, the rink when it's an outdoor game and all you can see is the rink and then empty space in frame but you can still hear the sounds you can hear the shouts and you can hear the occasional you know like music that plays in between shifts and stuff and then the crowd noise bleeds over sometimes and honestly I thought they did a pretty good job of replicating what a hockey game generally sounds like now maybe it'll be weirder when the playoffs start and there's a big hit and nothing happens that'll probably be a bit weird but at least in comparison to the other sports this sounded pretty normal to me. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of liked it. Yeah, I, I wanted to get. I want to get into everyone's thoughts on the presentation and just what it all looked like. But like first, first thing, I thought it looked fine. And this is a producer's dream. Like by the Eastern Conference Final, when that big hit happens, there absolutely will be crowd noise and stuff. I swear to you, I was watching the late game last night, and Calgary looked like absolute shit when they scored. 
Maybe it was just in my head. I swear it sounded sarcastic. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, good for you. You got one. Ah, way to go. Like, I swear that's what it sounded like. But the outdoor thing, I like that. That's actually a good comparison because you're right. There are no fans, like, in the main, like, from the main camera angle. It is just that empty space, uh, like, around the rink. So that is actually an interesting comparison. Well, for the game yesterday, they they did pipe in Lou Nolan saying the Pico power play. Like, they're trying to make it as normal as possible. Yeah, that was funny. It caught Jim Jackson off guard, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, shit. Am I just, like, hearing this because it's what Am I, I hear? Am I hallucinating? <laughs> did I drink yeah. before the broadcast? It's like, well, yes, but I that's every <laughs> time. So I don't know that. Allegedly. Yeah, I just, I thought it was good, but we'll get into everyone's thoughts on it in a second. But first, uh, the one who beheaded our former leader and took over the clan, <laughs> Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. I did do that. I have Travis's head as a trophy. Um, I don't want to overstate this, and I don't want to be emotional or dramatic. But Kevin Hayes is the most important flyer in the 2020 roster. And that is not a slight to Sean Couturier or Claude Giroux. But I would love Kevin Hayes is, is the most important flyer this year. I mean, there's a case to be because those guys have been here and they needed Kevin like the they needed the thing that they brought in with Kevin Hayes is what they needed to help them. So I do yep. think there is a case to be made that his addition was huge. Now, Ivan Proverov, Carter Hart, the list goes on. This is a good team. It's a deep team. A good but team. Steph, I would just it's love a- to go back about 13 and a half months and like nope. be able to play <laughs> ju- early July, late June 2019 Steph that clip. Never heard of it. Never heard <laughs> of it. I don't know her. I don't know like her. when they <laughs> traded for his she rights. sounds fake. <laughs> She sounds hideous. <laughs> We're not doing that. Um, Kevin Hayes is the most important flyer of the 2020 team. All right. Period. I like it. Uh, I want to talk about Igor Zamula before we get into this thing. And I was just so excited that he got into the lineup. When I saw that he was going to play, you guys see I have like several paragraphs about a monologue I was going to read about how, no, he's actually going to be our sixth defenseman. And I do think... Maybe he's in line for a little bit of a bump up the depth chart more than we thought when we were like, oh, cool, he's in camp. That's nice. I do think he's going to get a little bit more consideration than we were thinking. But uh, I just think it's huge that they gave that opportunity to he and uh, and Mark Friedman yesterday with the seven defensemen. Obviously, Haig and Braun are kind of a pair. So if you're going to sit two guys and you think you know what you have in them, okay, they don't play, but... For whatever reason, Igor Zamula gets a look in the only exhibition game. It's not like they're going to play six of these, and it's like, all right, let's see what the kid has. No, this this is an important game, whether you know it counts or not, just for everyone to get ready. If they just thought he was the seventh or eighth or ninth defenseman, they'd bring him along in practice. If they think he's a little more than that, you dress him. They dressed him I, yesterday. I... I think that you might be overstating the importance I'm sure I am. Just because, you know, they have the the next, the round robin. But those games which, do count. Right, yes, they do count, but the Flyers can't be in any worse position than they are right now. They can't. So, so, 
letting these two into a game that doesn't matter, knowing that you're not going to play them during the round robin, is like a pat on the back. Like, you done good, kid. Here's your game. It's nationally televised. Well done. Now hang out until there's an injury. I just think the, like, yes, the round robin games, because the Flyers are in this situation, aren't as important to even, you know, obviously the play-in series, but even a team like Boston, who can only now move down. Like, oh, thanks a lot. We would have had home ice throughout the playoffs, and now we might not even have it, you know, in the second round or whatever. The Flyers are in this position, but... It's still important to the Flyers to win these games. When you have a Sean Couturier who, in a Game 7 at home, you get to put out every single time the other team puts out their best line, you want that advantage. It's If they're trying to pursue the Stanley Cup, getting the top seed is the easiest path. I... I just think using that game, you need to get people ready. You have practice time to get the guys ready like Zamula if you didn't think maybe he could contribute. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think it's likely that he's going to get into the regular lineup, but I don't think that they would have bothered putting him in at all unless they thought to themselves, hmm, you know, maybe this kid could do something. And if Haig looks like shit and another guy gets hurt, maybe. We plop him in there. I don't know, but they needed to see what he had against NHL competition before they could know that. So I think it was – I don't think it was nothing. I think it, it speaks a little bit to the fact that they think he could be a contributor on the team. I think. No, I don't think that it was nothing. I just think that Bill is overstating the importance of yesterday's game. Well, it's the most the, important game of my life, Like, actually. not the importance of the outcome, but the importance of getting guys ready to play after four and a half months off, having limited practice windows, and then a round-robin tournament that will matter. Yesterday's game, the ice time mattered. I think there is a lot of things at play here. Um, number one, I do believe there's an element of this being a reward for the kid. You know, this is a kid who this calendar year had back surgery and pushed his way back and was didn't he break his spine well no he had like there there was it was basically what i understand was like a degenerative back condition that he had been battling Jesus. for like months and months and months possibly even years and he just kind of played through it because it was hampering but it wasn't to the point where it was act he actually felt like it was preventing him from being a good player and the, after the uh, the world juniors basically he and the team kind of discussed it he and the organization and we're like look if you're going to be going pro next year why don't we just get this fixed now like why don't we get this fixed now so you can be ready for the start of next season and get off on your best foot you know for for your first professional season so they went forward and now he's good but like he was he was working at the flyers facility even before phase two began so he's been working really hard to come back from this. So I think part of it was a reward. Part of it is the fact that the Flyers are really high on him. So it they wanted to get a look at him because they're really freaking excited about this kid. And part of it, I do think, I think there's an element of, kind of speaking to what Bill said, that it's not out of the realm of possibility he plays in this tournament, even though I do believe it's unlikely. Because the way I think they look at him... I want to I, I want to believe it's almost the same way they look at a guy like Morgan Frost, where, like, Morgan Frost is the is the kind of like in case of emergency break glass guy you put in like if Sean Gatorier goes down and it's like okay well if Sean Gatorier goes down and we repl- and we just move Kevin Hayes up to one C and then move Connor Bunneman into the lineup like 
we're probably going to friggin' lose. Like, maybe we won't, we won't get killed, but we're probably going to lose. Whereas, if you put Morgan Frost in there, like, yeah, he might suck, but he also might be great. Like, the chances of Connor Bunneman being great, slim to none. The chances of Morgan Frost being great, they're not huge, but they're a hell of a lot better than Connor Bunneman. And I kind of use a mool in the same way where, like, let's say Provorov and Sanheim both go down. Like, I don't care about Andy Walensky. You put Andy Walensky in the lineup, if those two guys go down, you're losing. You're basically waving the white flag. You're basically saying, we're trying to lose, but not in, not in embarrassing fashion. You put Zamula in, yeah, he might be overmatched and it might be ugly. Also, he might be Kale McCarr and you might actually win the stupid game. So it's very much like a, you lose the big guns, why not replace the big gun with a guy who has high upside? And that's where I think Zamula fits in in this playoff picture where, you know, if, if Robert Hay goes down, no, I don't think Zamula is sliding in to replace him. But if a couple of the big guys go down, yeah, I think they'll consider it. All right. I just like... Even just the idea of him jumping Mark Friedman, to me, was not a possibility a month ago. And now I think it is definitely a possibility. Seems That's like he all. probably already has, I would well, think. Well, I don't think... Like, maybe like not, on, the, maybe not I, I, on that fourth pair with Ghost. And, and, not and on, I know, like, a readiness level, but I think that, like, where they value them in prospect term oh, sh- oh I sure imagine that oh yeah yeah is higher than sure him. but but one point i'd like to make and this is a point i try to make sometimes whenever i can is that everyone has this shiny new toy thing with with prospects like zamola mark friedman played really good yesterday and was he better did. than igor zamola like and and i know we're all excited because zamola's got the top the top four upside and freeman probably at best tops out as a four Freeman was damn good yesterday, and if if Zamula has jumped Freeman on the depth chart for this playoffs, I'll be kind of pissed because Freeman deserves that spot. Yeah, I'm not like I'm just I'm just looking ahead to series down the line as things continue to happen, guys continue to progress and shine in practice or whatever. And I'm gonna get into that shiny shiny new toy theory with Lawton in a couple of minutes. But first. Uh, first topic of the show, even though I, you know, launched into the whole Zamula thing and that got us going in all sorts of directions. Hockey is back. Just how did everyone feel? Like, you sat down yesterday. It was a weird start time. It's a weird time of year. There's no fans in the stands. How'd you just feel yesterday? Fucking great. Yeah. So, like, first of all, people in California are really living because that 4 p.m. start time was just oh god it's so lovely good. you got your whole night afterwards it's still light outside like that was i enjoyed that quite a bit but also i wasn't really sure um charlie talked a bit about the in-game presentation i wasn't really sure how it was gonna go or how i was gonna feel about it but the covering of the seats i thought was really good it looked great yeah um could have done without that weird overhead camera angle that they seem to be testing out. I don't love that. Um, but, yeah, hearing the hockey sounds, and I know they were piping in crowd noise, but it, it kind of didn't register to me very much. Um, and if I heard it, it, it didn't, like, click in my brain at all that it was fake, so it was just, like, background. But I continue to be surprised by how well the NHL is doing with all of this. That said, the ice didn't seem to be great, but I don't know what you can do about that when it's 7,000 degrees outside. No, and that's going to be like a continued, you know, they're going to have time between games and everything to refreeze and cut it as many times as they have to, but like three games in one day, 
yo, if one goes to, like, double overtime, that's a ton of fucking hockey on one sheet of ice. Yeah, that third game is going to be a mess every time. Yeah, one, How about uh, you, one Steph? What that... did you... Oh. oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't mean to jump in. No, it's fine, Charlie. What's up? No, I was going to say one thing that Elaine Vigneault said yesterday that I found interesting was he brought up the possibility that the ice might actually get better as the tournament goes on because nobody's played on it in so long. That mm-hmm. over time, as they resurface it with the Zamboni thousands upon thousands of times, and, and it gets kind of a little bit more in use, that it'll actually become better over time. And that's a theory I'd never heard before, because I think mm-hmm. the general consensus is that, oh, it's only going to get worse as the, you know it's hot and there's more games. But Vino seems to think that part of the reason why it seemed so bad yesterday and probably today is because it hasn't been used really that much for pretty much four or five months. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll Is see. Is that how ice That's works? interesting. He would know better than us, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the, I'm just, I'm just going to give it to Elaine Vigneault if that's what he thinks it's right, and I'm wrong. I'll say that, no problem. <laughs> it doesn't seem to make sense, but, no. you know. It does a not lot of things seem don't. to make sense. The, uh, whatever. Kelly, I, I'll tell you, like, a lot of people, and not just hockey. Hockey seemed to have the best reaction, but a lot of people with the fake crowd noise have been like, ugh, this is weird. I'm with you. I don't I notice really it. I not notice it. It's like, I didn't I'm, notice it at all. I didn't, it's not, I didn't like, fucking with me. until, like, the second period, and I was like, huh, there is noise, and there shouldn't be, but it was, like, subtle. It wasn't Yeah, it was just, like, ambient. It was, like, ambient background noise that didn't register to me as fake crowd noise it was just kind of like i don't know like white noise in the background and over that white noise you heard hockey sounds that were really great um but yeah it it didn't bother me at all i haven't watched i haven't like sat down and really focus watched any of the other games yet so i don't know if they're louder um but it didn't bother me one little bit the crowd noise and i guess the delay definitely blocked out zach ronaldo screaming i will fucking hurt you in the penalty box yesterday <laughs> um but did uh, that yeah, happen yeah in the in the calgary edmonton game he was like shouting across the penalty box i God will fucking bless. hurt you yeah, and everyone up in the press it. box said you could hear it clear as day kill the delay <laughs> let us live i know right like <laughs> they showed that girl's tits on tv last yeah, come year come on nobody died it's fun yeah. It was fine. <laughs> Any I, other look, like, presentation I've, I've, thoughts? I've, I've made this point a couple times, um, and I'll make it here. I really don't think they're worried about Zach Ronaldo screaming, I will fuck you up, and that's why they have the delay. <laughs> I think they're worried that if they don't have the delay, that half the league will be canceled by the end of this. No, that's exactly uh. why they have the delay, there's going to be a <laughs> lot point. of slurs. Very no, there's going to be a lot of homophobic slurs, and they don't want that. That is 100% the reason. Oh, well, that's a fun note. I mean, did you not think that, though? I am not going to comment because, no, um, I like to think better of our athletes. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but now that someone said it out loud, like, yeah, makes sense. All right, so let's get into the lineup. Uh, The lineup issues now. 
I, I, this whole time we've been talking and we've all said, like, ideally, Lawton is your 3C, so you can have Farabee in the top six on the wing, and boom, we're the deep team we want to be. And I love Joel Farabee. I think he has tremendous upside. I think he's going to help us at some point in these playoffs. He's going to be the reason something good happens at some point. But I do not want to get shiny new toy syndrome with Scott Lawton. We have been trying to, like, suppress this guy his entire career. And yesterday, he just continued to do what he's done over the last, like, two seasons. Prove us all wrong and show that he is more than what we have thought he was. He looked awesome. He gets that winner off that amazing stretch pass from TK. Holy shit. Uh, But Scott Lawton, man... He kind of deserves that second-line wing spot, even though the team might be overall better with him at 3C. It's hard to tell him no. I just think that we have to get away from the idea that centering the third line is a demotion for being a wing on the second line, I think. Because it's not. I think that, if anything, it speaks to the fact that at this point, you can trust Scott Lawton A, to be the main point on a line that makes it good. C, you can depend on him to go up and down when he needs to. C, B, you can depend on him to go up and down (laughs) when he needs to. Um, And also, yeah, and 12, you can, like, having him on a different line makes the team better because his talent would make the third line better. Like, it's not a bad thing in my opinion I don't think it's taking anything away from him I think that if this team can roll three good lines rather than two really good lines and two okay lines like that is probably going to be a good thing for the long term I would imagine so my the reason why I'm not as super duper on board with the like Lawton has to be third line center is for two reasons. The first reason is, and I, I'm, I'm working on an article about this, um, hopefully be out on Friday. I think people are don't quite realize how much better Lawton has been on the wing than he's been at center over the last three seasons. Like this isn't this isn't just a, a narrative that the Flyers have put out there objectively speaking, Lawton has been a more productive, better player on the wing than at center. So it's not like you're just saying, well, you're just playing the same position and we're going to get the same Scott. We're playing a different position and we're going to get the same Scott Lawton. You will be getting a better Scott Lawton if he's on the wing as opposed to when he's at center. So by putting him at 3C, you're getting you're basically downgrading Scott Lawton. So that's, that's real. That is a real effect. The second thing is I do think, and I like Joel Farabee a lot, I do think fans are overrating how good he is right now. I think he's good. I don't think he's great or, like, even a borderline impact player. Like, I think fans want to believe he is. Yeah, people seem to be really disappointed with his game yesterday. He just didn't get a lot of ice time. Yeah. Yeah, no, he didn't. I think he was, like, second to last in ice time yesterday. And honestly, like, for me... It's not even about getting Farabee in the lineup. Like, it's mostly about getting Nate Thompson out of the lineup. Right. right. Oh, I would love that. I feel like that. So that addition by subtraction, coupled with the fact that now you have three good lines rather than just two, because I don't think the bottom six were very good yesterday. Um, 
like all of that together, I feel like is more important than getting the highest production out of Scott Lawton. Like, but it's not just getting, it's those not just, two things. Yeah, it's not just getting the highest production out of Scott Lawton, though. It's also getting the highest production out of Kevin Hayes and Travis Connecty because those are going to be his line mates. I know, but I, I, I struggle to believe that those two will be hampered by a different winger. I, I, I don't, think I, I don't think they'll still be, be good. I don't think they'll be hampered, but I think it's fairly easy to make the case that they will be better with Scott Lawton than they would be with Joel Farabee. Do you think though that having that sec so is the increase in production of that second line more than the production that you would get from three good you know what I'm saying? Like a Lawton like a Lawton J V R Lawton J V R N A K third line is that worse than what you would get if the you know, we would we went the other way with the lineup. No, it's that, and yeah, that's the fascinating question. That's the fascinating question because I mean, I mean, you'll probably be able to structure a good third line out of the, out of the remaining bottom six. Like I'm sure you could find some sort of like NAK JVR Derek Grant line that'll be fine. It's really the fourth line that would suffer with having Nate yeah. Thompson on it. So here's the question that I have, and I haven't looked it up this season, so. I don't know the answer off the top of my head. What are what's the average second line production versus the average third line production? Is it like the difference between twenty five goals and fifteen goals a season? Yeah, I'd have to look that up. the The, the weird yeah, thing I don't, I don't the weird thing about those kind of questions is like then you have to account for power play time and you know yeah. guys that are on the third line but they play in the top power play unit, so it gets a little muddy to a degree. Yeah, no, it's just a general question. Like, yeah, do you want do you want TK and Kevin Hayes to be scoring twenty five goals a season? Or do you want twenty five? I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. But I mean, all getting question. all three lines rolling is super, super important. But it's also super important to make sure that those two have the optimum line mates. Yeah, like it, it, a lot of it in my mind also depends on how they're planning to roll the lines. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if you're if you're gonna just stack your ice time so that the top six gets a shitload and Nate Thompson gets five minutes and three of them are on the penalty kill then i think it could work but if you're if you're insistent on playing nate thompson for 14 minutes then it gets scary i guess the thing for me is that if i'm remembering the before time correctly part of the reason that things were going so well for the flyers is that not to say they had four really good lines but they were able to roll that fourth line out and it wasn't like an immediate, oh, fuck, here comes the fourth line. And I feel like with Nate Thompson, especially in the playoffs, I don't, first of all, I don't want him to have to top load the minutes that much, especially if we're planning on going long in the playoffs, which I hope we are. And I don't want to have to feel like, oh, shit, the fourth line's going to be out for a shift. I hope they can just not get scored on. Like, I... I feel like we, the team is deep enough that we don't have to exist in that reality, and I would like them to find a way to make it that way. And maybe they can do it with keeping Scott Lawton on the second line. I don't know. But the thing is, I trust Elaine Vigneault, so I kind of feel like it's going to work itself out. I'm not saying I think Nate Thompson is good. Obviously, yeah, he is not. I will say like he's decent on the penalty kill, 
And with some combination of NAK, Raffle, Pitlick, whoever he's going to be playing with, they have that whole whoever's making up our bottom six, whoever is left over on that fourth line with Thompson, I think it'll be survivable. But can we do it'll better be than fine. that? Can't we do better than that? Yes, though? absolutely, one hundred percent. And that's where I think we get to the point of. You know, yes, the round robin, they are still going to have to figure things out. While they are important games, they have to figure this shit out still. For sure. And here's the other the other piece that is the, the absolute wildest of wild cards. Oscar Lindblom is going to be there practicing with them, yeah. and he is eligible to play. Do we expect him to play? No. Do we want him to play? No. But it is the wildest of wild cards. If they make it to the Stanley Cup final... Game seven, when the Flyers win, do I want him to have at least one minute of ice time? I sure as fuck do. I could see a situation yeah. where, say, they're up 3-1 in the Stanley Cup final, and now we're getting light years ahead of ourselves, <laughs> uh, even though that's uh, distance or time. It's whatever I'm it's saying. Definitely it's definitely going to happen, one. though. So. Uh, but anyway, like, say they're up 3-1 in the Stanley Cup final. Even if he's not, like, able to play... He's going to be on the bench, 100%. Strap him in goalie pads. Make him the backup goalie for the night. Yeah, I could. That, nothing will go wrong then. No. Well, just, no, you know, it's fine. <laughs> just sit right down because he's going to be the first person no. that G passes the cup to. I, I mean, that's, this is just where we're at right now. I was on the Jody Mack show on WIP last night, and he asked me, like, this is crazy, right, with Limblom. Now, it's down the line. It's not until at least a conference final, fi f probably a cup final that you're thinking about it. But it's awesome that he's there. It's awesome he's healthy enough to even be there and skate and think about hockey, let alone, like, being getting in potentially. But it's it's ludicrous to think he's going to play. No, I know, I know, which is why I, I said the, the wildest of wild cards. Like, it is madness. But... Were he able to slot in, that would solve some of this depth. The questions that we have right now. I mean, all, all that all being said, Nate Thompson isn't that bad. Like, if that's if that's the biggest problem that we have right now, it's not that bad. That's true. Yeah, that, it's, a, that, it's a nice worst problem to have, for sure. Yeah, that is one thing that, like... That, that, I think, is the big disconnect between, I think, a lot of people on social media and the Flyers. Because a lot of people have been yelling at me for the last 24 hours, like, why don't they just put Raffle at fourth-line center? That would get Thompson mm -hmm. out of the lineup. And it's like, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but they don't view Raffle as a center. So the only way they're going to put Raffle at center is if they have no other choice. And they don't think they have no other choice because they don't think Nate Thompson is terrible. Like, they obviously don't think he's great, but they don't think he's terrible. And I think most people on social media, especially people who are into, into stats, really believe that he's just awful. That he's like Yuri Laterra part two. And whether they're right or not, I mean, he was pretty bad in Montreal, especially by like relative metrics. I don't think he's been awful in his limited time here. Could he be awful in the playoffs? Yeah, sure. I mean, he's 35 years old, and he was he hasn't had a really good season, I think, in like six or seven years. So, yeah, it's very possible he's just trash. But I don't know. I guess I'm not I'm not totally willing to to I'm not totally willing to disregard the possibility that he's like not just literal human garbage as a player. Yeah, I'm not like 
I know we're in this mode because this is what we've been doing for so long, but I'm not going to treat him like he's Chris Vandevelde yet. No. I've seen him play a handful of games for this team. You know, like, it's not Chris Vandevelde, and I have a coach I trust not to play Chris Vandevelde 81 straight. You know, like... That, and we have, we have a GM... Yeah. ...that seems to actually know what he's doing. It would appear that way. So let's say... Let's say now, because I think Lawton is making, has made, is making one hell of a case for himself as the uh, as the wing on that second line. So let's say we're gonna go Giroux, Couturier, Voracek, Lawton, Hayes, Konechny. What does the bottom six look like? What what do you think the third line especially shapes out to be? Because that fourth line, then you mix and match. But like, what is the third line? What is it? I mean. If we're just talking about, like, okay, we've locked in the top six, now let's try to solve, like, kind of going in almost like a, you know, well, we solved this problem, let's solve the next problem. Yeah. And then if the next problem is how do we maximize the third line, I, I think the three best guys left are JVR, Grand, and NAK. And yeah. to me, that's, like, if you're trying then to make the best line out of the guys that are left, that's the best line out of the guys that are left. Then you've got your fourth line, and then it then the fourth line gets ugly because then you're left with Raffle, Pitlick, and Thompson, and like I like Pitlick, I like Raffle. I don't know if they're good enough to elevate Thompson. So, so then you're then, then then you're in a position where it's like, okay, well, do we just not use those guys that much and lean heavily on our top nine? And maybe they do because you know what, in the playoffs. That generally is what happens. Yeah. You generally don't play the guys in the bottom of the lineup all that much until less like the big guys need a breather. So like if that's the plan, then maybe. The one thing I'll say about that though is Elaine Vigneault has always been a line roller. Regardless of where he is, he always likes to lean on, on all four lines. And that's that to me is the scary part about Nate Thompson is that if you're rolling four lines and you're just sending Nate Thompson out for his regular shift – that's a concern. If you're mm-hmm. using Nate Thompson six minutes, I'm cool with it. But I don't know if Vino is going to be willing to do that. And if he's not going to be willing to do that, then does Nate Thompson get exploited? So in your mind, does Joel Farabee play no role in a bottom six situation? I mean, I don't think I would want him over Roffel or Pitlick. So in that, and I certainly don't want him over NAK or JVR. Okay. So so it's tough. The only guy who I'd even consider putting him in for is Raffle. Oh, no, I wouldn't take Raffle out of the lineup. Hmm. Like I I would do a lot of things with the lineup, but taking Raffle out of it is not one of them. I it's, just don't I yeah, I just don't think that um Farabee on the four like it it doesn't add anything especially if they're not going to be playing a lot of minutes like I don't it seems like a pointless move at that point um and he's probably not as good defensively as Raffle so yeah in yeah. part it kind of comes down again to what you want to use that fourth line for right one thing that I, I tweeted about this earlier today one line that did look good in camp briefly was that Farabee Grant Pitlick line and that's intriguing it's then the problem is it then just raises other questions because then if that like 
if that's the fourth line, then does that mean and Nate Thompson is your third line center? Because you certainly can't do that. Ew. If that if that's Yikes. the if that's the third line, does that mean that James Van Riemsdyk is on the fourth line? Because that doesn't work for me either. So like there's no. it, it's an intriguing combo that just I, doesn't seem to fit with the reality of the way the Flyers lineup is structured. He if could take advantage of some four. fourth line matchups. Yeah. If you're right. rolling four lines down, and JVR is on your fourth, all of a you're sudden fuck here some comes guys fucking up. JVR. I'm into it. I don't <laughs> know, man. Sight. It might be. It's, it's it's the fourth line's whole job to just get it deep, get a cycle going, and get off. What if yeah. after they get the cycle going, someone throws it in front and it hits him Pop in the wind. dick and goes in the net? Boom. <laughs> what he does. He might not like it, but I don't really care what he likes. Yeah, I don't care gone. what he wants. He's making no. $7 million. He can serve fucking soda for all I care. He can play on the second Do line you... in a... In Seattle, it's fine. <laughs> Next week on Broad Street Hockey Radio, Bill and Kelly complained that we have someone making $7 million on the fourth line. <laughs> Never. These aren't these aren't episodic, Bill Steph. definitely would. These aren't episodic. <laughs> they can I can Stand change my shows. opinion. I'm going to change my opinion about shit after this break, which we're going to take like right now. Well, yeah. We're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back and talk about the defense that I already ran it about for five minutes. So uh, that should be a good time. Yeah, so uh, stay tuned. Listen to this commercial. Go to the bathroom. Whatever you got to do. And then uh, we'll be here. Talk more hockey. Flyers are back. It's great. Okay, gang, we are back, and it is blue line time. That's right. One of the uh, We've been talking about this six defense spot for a couple of weeks now, and... It seems that the Shane Gostas Bear camp hype carried over to the exhibition game, at least in a, uh, I forget how you put it, uh, like muted way or whatever, Charlie. Like it was, he had light praise for Shane Gostas Bear, did Elaine Vigneault, yeah. saying basically, really yeah, he was tempered. good. Yeah, it's, it's everyone's first game. He was fine. Uh, but he looked good. He didn't look, he didn't look hampered, which he has looked in the past. A little bit better a skater. I thought he made some nice plays to initiate breakouts. Um, you know, touches the puck and gets the secondary assist on the awesome Konechnia pass and then the Lawton goal for the winner. But that really wasn't the crux of his game. It was more just he seemed to get a good base. I, people asked me what I thought. I said this was a good foundation. And I think that's yep. what we were saying about him right before the pause was that, okay, maybe he's starting to come around again. He starts here and can build on it. That's what I saw yesterday. What did you guys see from Shane Goss' pair? So I think it's important to note that while he wasn't the Shane Goss' pair that we want him to be, he wasn't an absolute tire fire. And we have to remember that while he was starting to pick it up at the pause, for the most of the season, he was an absolute tire fire. Like, not just not good. He was actively bad. And in yesterday's game, he was good. Like, he wasn't remarkably good, but he was steady and good, and he made some good plays, and like Bill said, he looked better skating than he had in a while. Um, so, yeah, I'm optimistic that Ghost might be returning to something resembling his old self. Yeah. I would love it. It would be really good for to... the Flyers if he It would did. be really good. So, I don't know if we had the news on... on the the which knee was the surgery knee situation but within the past year he's had surgery on both of his knees yeah. which okay um and you know, Taryn said during one of the intermissions yesterday that the one that happened during the pause 
really wasn't that big of a deal, which is it was what the scope, we had yeah. assumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a scope cleaning out cartilage. Like, that's fine. If that's what he needed to get more comfortable, and sometimes with knees, like, knees are trash. Garbage. You need to clean them up every once in a while. Um, so if that's what he needed, great. Like, there would be nothing that could happen on this defense that would make me happier than Ghost coming back into prime Ghost form. Yeah, I thought he just looked like, and Kelly kind of hinted this, I thought he just looked like a faster version of the guy who played pretty well against Boston that game right before mm-hmm. the pause. Like he, he looked like that guy who looked fine and who was impressive. He just looked like a more mobile and slightly more confident version of that guy, which makes sense because now he's coming off two knee cleanups rather than just one. So it makes logical sense that he'd be a little bit quicker and a little bit lighter on his feet. Was he super dynamic? No, but he wasn't super dynamic against Boston in that game either. He just was good. Now, what's interesting to me is whether I, I just I don't know I don't know what the Flyers want of him. Like I don't know if they're telling him to do this, like just be solid, reliable, and good, and make all the right plays, and you'll get back in the lineup. Or if they're kind of be if they kind of have in the back of their heads that the only way Shane Gosper gets back in the lineup is if he wows us. Like I just don't mm. know. I don't know what, if any, type of communication is going Ghost's way in terms of like what you have to do to play. And I could easily see it being the latter or the former in terms of like just you know play smart, play within the system. You know, yeah, make plays when they're there, but we don't want you flying around like it's your rookie season. Um, until you really have the confidence that you're certain it's going to work. And if that's the case, then he's pretty much doing everything they're asking him to do. Now, whether that gets him back in the lineup, I don't know. But, I mean, it seems like he's – in my mind, it seems like he's doing everything they're theoretically asking him to do. So the thing is, like, Shane Gostisbehere playing a conservative, steady, good enough game on the third D pair, but then also getting to be Shane Gostisbehere on the power play – is kind of like a huge deal in my mind because if he's able to do what he used to do on the power play, that's that's going to improve things, I think, tremendously. Um, if that's... I just don't know how... If he continues to play like he did um, against Boston and in the Pittsburgh game, I don't know how you could not put him in over Robert Haig. And that's the... Because the idea of wowing the coaching staff... Like, this is a regime from the head coach to the GM. This is a bunch of people who've never been wowed by Shane Gostaspare. He, mm-hmm. He's been not good him the entire time of this new regime. It's like there's no expectation for him to be 2015-16 Shane Gostaspare now. It's, it's just not there. But I do wonder if, okay, yeah, fine, that was good. Is good enough for him, like... It gets back to the question I asked last week. Do the coaches have so much trust in Robert Haig, or were they forced to play him because Shane was so bad? And I think that's what the competition comes down to, and it's an answer we don't have. Yeah, one thing that was interesting to me about the way they distributed ice time in yesterday's game, um, because obviously two guys that are on the, you know, two, I guess I would say fan favorites, although I don't know if Shane Gosper qualifies as a consensus fan favorite anymore. He has his fans and he has his haters. But guys who are on the bubble that, that a lot of people are rooting for, um, Gosper and Farabee. So 
Shane Gosses Bear got the lion's share of the ice time on the second power play unit. Joel Farabee got none of it. So, like, because Joel Farabee in camp was practicing, he was rotating in and out with Nicholas Albay Cubell on the second power play unit. And Shane Gosses Bear was rotating in and out with Travis Sandheim on the second power play unit. Well, Travis Sandheim played and he didn't get power play time. Shane Gosses Bear did. Joel Farabee played, and he didn't get power play time, but Nicholas Albay Cubell did. And it just like it just leads me to believe that maybe they think that Ghost has a better chance of winning his way into the lineup than Farabee does. And that's why they were giving Ghost the power play time because he's going to need it to be ready. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, like Kelly was saying, if he's just conservative Ghost but gets to do what he used to do on the power play – like that's an upgrade. He was he was really good at that. So if if you're gonna have him in the lineup and not use him on the power play, fucking put Hagen. What's the point? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna use you for your five on. Like, all right, I guess he's not. He's never gonna be very good in the defensive zone. He's he looked okay leading breakouts yesterday, which was first time in a while. I saw him win some battles. I saw him pinch a couple times. Just be more aggressive and confident, and that was good. But he, you know. Shane Gosper end of the day needs to score to be effective. We've always said this. His second year in the league wasn't that bad, but it looked real fucking bad because his points were cut in half. Well, end of the day, it's a results-oriented business. I just said end of the day like four times. But <laughs> he needs I, I, to score to be his most effective self. If he's not creating scoring chances, uh, it's maybe Haig is the better option, but if he's on the power play, then awesome. I just... We have to stop expecting Shane Goss to spare to do what he did in his rookie season. Like, we just have to. But what about what he did in his third season? Exactly. I mean, fair. Exactly. That's fair. That's, that's more what I'm looking for. Like, the, the, this spark and the, and the excitement from the rookie season was a lot of, we had never seen this before. But the third season, we had seen it before, and he was still really solid. He was playing on the top pair with Ivan Provorov, who were now saying, like, he wasn't on a top 20 defenseman list? This is blasphemy, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, but I don't... We weren't don't sure remember, it was all Provorov that time. I don't remember watching those games and thinking Provorov was carrying Ghost. Yeah. I remember watching those games and thinking both those guys look great. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it it's, it, you know, it, I, don't, I don't know what this... I have no idea how good Shane Goss' bear is. What's, been, what's this, his sixth year in the league? Fifth year? Fifth? I have no idea how good he actually is. I don't think anybody does. But you mentioned that he looked more confident, um, which I think for him is huge. Because yeah. I think we determined a long time ago that most of his problems is that he gets up inside of his own head. And if he's feeling himself, I feel like he's probably going to get better and not worse as this goes on. So sticking with the defense for a minute... Um... We all have high expectations for a Sanheim-Myers pair, and um, they got burned a little bit yesterday. Now, it seemed to me more just like, all right, one guy pinched, and the other guy was flat-footed, and it's the first exhibition game. All right, whatever. But is it more than that? Little reason for concern? No concern? Lots of concern? I mean, they're babies, and they just took four months off. I think it's fine. It just pisses me off because I feel I know that this pairing is good and will work, but it seems like they consistently will make people question if it's a good idea. And I just need them to stop doing that. Just knock that shit off. 
Just be good. I, yeah, I, mean, I just think there's – somebody in my comment section made this point, and I think it's 100% true, is that, you know, that pairing really is one of the you know, almost like pivot points for the Flyers in this postseason, that if they're really good, the Flyers can go on a run. Yeah. If, the, if they suck – then the Flyers are in trouble because then they basically just have one pair that they're going to have to run into the freaking ground. So it's really important that Sanheim and Myers don't suck. And what we saw yesterday is what can happen when they suck, which is they could single-handedly blow a lead. And it, just, it was just a little bit like, do I want to break them up? No. Do I still have confidence in them? Yes. But it was just a little reminder that, like, yeah, Phil Myers hasn't been in the playoffs, and Travis Sanheim played, like, four games in limited minutes in 2018 and didn't look that great doing it. Like, I hope they are ready for this. No, I they think are, they are, but I hope they are. You just I look at them. Fine. You just look at them and see the unlimited potential, but you remember, like, it's always, like, it's not Alex Petrangelo at 23 that wins the cup. It's him at 27 that wins the cup, you know? And they have Provorov and Niskanen, so it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. It's just, like, this shit takes time. I completely forgot that Matt Niskanen was on the team until <laughs> yesterday when I heard it. And then, even then, I had to Google. Like, he's on the Flyers, not the Pens, right? Like, I had to, I had to Google... I don't know how I could have forgotten that other than he's the most chill dad flyer that we have. The global anyway. pandemic probably made you forget. Oh, no, it yeah. absolutely did. I don't know who's on this team anymore. Who can say? Well, I saw, you see, I saw you see number his quote? five. Uh, I tweeted this. I saw number five on the ice yesterday. I was like, Braden Coburn? Yeah, sure. Oh, boy. We're back in that yeah. era. No. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't want to go yeah. back there. Oh it's, God! It's trauma, trauma, relived trauma. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. No, I, I was gonna say. I don't know who's on the team anymore. I was gonna say, Steph, did you see the uh, the quote from Niskanen today about Provorov? No. Where he basically was like, "Yeah, he's a stud. I'm just an old fart trying to keep up with him." <laughs> I love it so much. It was so good. I gotta tell you, I know he's talking about his play. I know I've been attracted to like. A man before his name's Chase Utley. <laughs> Ivan Provorov is fucking attractive. I'll tell like, you what the, the look he's got going the now hair, is like. Oh my it's god, really he's working full for me. On, full on I'd go man. on a date with Ivan Provorov if he asked me out. He never did it it's, for me before, but this version of him, it's really working. Well, that's because he, he's. I understand that I know. because he looks like a caveman. Yeah. Sorry. This version of Ivan Provorov, I am not attracted to. <laughs> Just looks like a man. Like, yeah, oh my he god, does. he should be in an Old Spice commercial. Like, <laughs> him and Terry Crews just, like, chopping down trees or something. Yeah, he'll fuck you all the way up in, like, a number of different ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maddie created the Kelly to Steph attractiveness scale. And if oh you hit god. both of these points, like, you are a unicorn. So Ivan Provorov went from the clean cut. Steph driver. On the Steph scale. Yeah. And now to the caveman on the Kelly scale. Listen, it's the same man. Yeah. <laughs> He's thick as a tree trunk. Like, that's not going away. He is a beefy boy, as Steph Driver would say. I'm going to leave that one yeah, be. Yeah, he is a uh, so boy. we will have, moving on from the exhibition. Well, no, let's just, any other standouts from the exhibition game to you? Like, guys who were just like, oh, damn, did they even take any time off? Because that was Kevin Hayes for me. He looked, I thought it's I, he looked yeah, like right. Kevin Hayes. 
I started the show by saying Kevin Hayes is the most important flyer. So yeah, I'll steal I'm Charlie's thought down on again. That. Couturier did look quite good, but like I feel like he's he's incapable at this point of not looking like that. Yeah, you could even just tell in camp that like he was just a little bit off, whereas everyone else was a lot off, and Couturier <laughs> was just like maybe like an inch away from being Couturier again. Like yeah, by the time the playoffs roll around, he's gonna be fine. Listen, winning is the most important thing, however you do it, whatever. And, like, Ivan Provorov today said, I don't play to make a list. And end of the day, I don't think this shit really matters to Sean Couturier. But, like, Jonathan Taves became Jonathan Taves because of what he did in the playoffs. You know, Ryan O'Reilly, we all know, was good. He wins this cup, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's it's he's in the Selkie every year, even if it doesn't play much. Like... It doesn't matter. And this is his opportunity to become a legit, like, star. This is it for him, for Sean Couturier. This is, he is in his prime. He's the number one center on a team that could be in contention for the cup. The last time he was in the playoffs, he scored a hat trick on a toured MCL. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Like, we all know Amazing. how that ended. The team was so <laughs> fucking bad that him on one leg couldn't even do it. <laughs> he tried real hard. That's the last God, time he's... we saw this team in the playoffs. He had one leg and Provorov had one arm, and we were just crossing our fingers to make a comeback against the cup <laughs> champs. God, remember that? No. No. I, I would it prefer out. to not. I, me- I, I remember, remember we did who's the party on the team right the now, but game. I remember where I was when that happened. I remember watching Ivan Provorov cry because they lost that game. I remember that. That did happen. Fuck, man. All right, this so team on is so much better. They're they're gonna win the cup. On to the yeah, uh, those memories suck. On, I've been telling you. On to the round yeah. robin. There will be one of the round robin games before our next show, uh, Sunday, August first, against the Bruins. Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sunday. The Flyers <laughs> have matched up pretty well with the Bruins this year. They won a pair of shootouts, three to two and six to five. Of course, the last game before the pause was the two nothing home loss to the Bruins. Uh, snapping the Flyers' nine-game winning streak. You saw that one coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. Boston hasn't played their exhibition game. It's uh, Thursday against Columbus. How are we feeling about this one? I, I Washington is the team we match up best with. I think we're going to beat the shit out of Washington. Would love to see them down the line in the playoffs because we will win that series. How do you like Boston? The President's Trophy winners, they're fucking good. Into it. I feel it. Fuck I, I just, you shut down the top line. Then you can just hope that Tuka Rask lets a goal in, and then you're golden. That's all you need to do, really. It it's just so hard to predict these games. Like these, yeah. I, I, I think, a I think single the hockey. Are gonna, at, at, yeah, like they're going to at least win one of the three. Yeah. Hopefully, they win three of the three. But like they could win any of these games. They could lose any of these games. They're the Flyers are also using these games as like lineup testing games. So it's not even like the yeah. Flyers are going in. Obviously, they want to win. And Vigneault over the last couple days has definitely changed his tune. Like, in camp, he was kind of like, yeah, these are just going to be tune-ups. And now I think he's sort of backtracking a little bit. Like, no, these games are actually important, so we're going to treat them very seriously while still juggling some combos. Um, But the fact that they're not going to be sticking with necessarily the same group for each game does add another wrinkle to making predictions on what games they're going to win. Now, granted, Carter Hart's going to play on Sunday. They did announce that, so that that should help. The Flyers' chances. Elliot is going to get one of the following two games, but Hart is playing on Sunday. Um, we'll see. They could. They certainly could win this game. They didn't play Boston bad this year. They were pretty much close in all the games, even the ones they didn't win. So 
I have a theory that the first two games are going to be sloppy messes, probably on both sides, because I don't think that the Flyers are going to be the only team tuning up their lineup in these games. So, like, it would not surprise me for them to lose this game on Sunday, and it would not bother me if they did because I'm okay with them using these to work out the kinks. But I think by the time we get to that last game um, against Tampa, I believe, um, I think that that's the game that we – if we're going to win one, I think it's going to be the last one because I think by that point, Vino will have figured out the optimal lineup and they're going to be rolling at that point. That's my hope anyway. I'm totally fine if they lose all of these as long as they shake the rust off and they get their shit together when yeah. the games actually matter. That doesn't matter to me. That being said, I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to, you know, I think they're going to go, what is it, three games, two and one? Yeah, two and one feels right. I'm real interested to see how, like, Tampa's strategy in these games is most interesting to me because they didn't win the President's Trophy or anything this year, and, like, they are in, maybe things are different, you don't fire people over a pandemic season or whatever, but they are in, we have to win the cup or things change mode. Like, they've been rolling this lineup out, they have so much salary, you know, to their top-end players, they haven't got one with this this era of awesome fucking players the coach that everyone thought was an awesome coach, now they're like, ah, I don't know, we'll see. Like, it's their strategy in these, like, if I'm if I'm Cooper, I'm looking at this team and going, I'm dressing all my backups in these. They don't matter at all. I need to win in the actual playoffs. Steven Stamkos ain't touching the ice. He's, like, half hurt anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, is he playing? <laughs> it's not the playoffs yeah, he, without yeah. Steven Stamkos maybe not playing. <laughs> That is kind of true. It's not the playoffs without Steven Stamkos choking and the Tampa Bay Lightning not winning. Those does kind of have he does kind of have a tendency to always be hurt when the playoffs roll around. Always. It's like Jeff it does, Carter it, it breaking his foot like three years in a row. Like, how? <laughs> how? What are you doing? Oh Get God. better the skates. Is, Stop it. The thing is, though, like at this point, I mean, with Stamkos, like I almost say, who cares? Because at this point, he honestly, he's a, he's at best their third best forward, maybe their fourth, depending on how you feel about Anthony Sorelli. But he's definitely worse than uh, than Kucherov in point. Mm. So like, fine. Like if if if, if Stamco sucks, like they really should be fine because they're just that good. Point looked good as hell today. I mean, it was the yeah, Panthers, he's an amazing but, player. Yeah, it is like in these games where everyone's rusty. It does seem like, the, I don't know, like the star players are the ones doing all the goal scoring. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's a lot less random goals. Like, it's like, yeah, who scored? Well, it was it was, it was was Hayes and it was Couturier. Like, yeah, oh, that makes sense. And who like, else? It was uh, Edmonton. Who it was knows? McDavid scored two. Like, Hold on. McKinnon had and a couple. Goals. Yeah, McKinnon was Scooty. awesome today. Scoot's had it, For Stephanie. the Philadelphia Flyers. Scoot. You mean you mean se- second line winger Scott Lawton? Is that who you <laughs> that mean? That guy. That guy. <laughs> Top six forward Scott Lawton. Where are yeah, we? Let yeah, us yeah, not forget of... about our our murder child Scott Lawton. Yeah, that that that's a shout out to you, Ed. <laughs> that is just for Ed. All right. Do we want to do some qualifying round predictions here? Do we want to save that? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So uh, I-, I watched some of these games, these exhibition games lately, so I have some thoughts. But let's just get through these predictions. Uh, Calgary Bill has and Winnipeg. Thoughts. Amazing. What? 
<laughs> Bill has thoughts. I'm shocked. <laughs> well, honestly, I'm just trying to pick all your brains because on DraftKings, if you put $50 oh, on a series winner, you get $5 in free bets for every goal that team scores. Oh, so boy. I'm looking for the surest thing. I think I have it with the Islanders, but I'm looking for thoughts here. Uh, but we're going to start with Calgary and Winnipeg. Calgary is the favorite. Uh, I didn't watch every second of the Calgary-Edmonton game last night, but from what I saw, the Flames looked like absolute shit. Well, I, this is going to be Winnipeg. Winnipeg could steal it, yeah. I think Winnipeg's I taking it. I didn't watch any of it, so I don't know. But, I mean, with Dreisaitl, hold on. Calgary-Edmonton was the game last yeah. night. We're talking Calgary-Winnipeg. Listen, I'm doing my best. <laughs> um. Fuck, I don't like either one of these teams. I don't want either of them to win. I, I like Calgary and don't like Winnipeg, but watching, like, I just think Calgary, there's something the matter over there. And maybe this is win. me willing it into existence so they trade us Johnny Goudreau. But, like, <laughs> Johnny Goudreau needs to get Come out home, of John. Yeah. John Hawkins. Like, I just think there's something the matter in Calgary. I think so, too. Seems I, like I it. think. It, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. I was going to try to reference it, that and didn't actually, couldn't do it. It's fine. Denmark is Calgary this time. Uh, yeah, no, something is wrong in Calgary, and I don't know what it is, but let's get Johnny Goudreau out of there and just let that franchise circle around Zach Ronaldo because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done with that whole situation up there. Winnipeg. Patrick Laine seems to have something wrong with him too. I I don't know. I don't like either of these teams this season. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take Calgary. I just think they're I just think they're better. Like I I, I get. I think that, they're better. I I, I get that that I get that Hellebuck was mm-hmm. great this year, but I just don't. I don't know. I don't know if he can carry that team to a playoff series win. They're just not very good, especially on defense. I just feel like that's crazy goalie, to say. Like a goalie can steal a five game series definitely yeah but he could also suck he could That's, for and, sure and like, but he was real and, and good I mean, yeah he was real good five months ago yeah all right he's also fair like enough. a pretty good go- goalie and in calgary yeah fair yeah all right carolina Don't bet on that is one. the <laughs> carolina is the favorite against the new york rangers this one's a tough this is kind of a toss-up for me here like the Rangers have an interesting lineup. They have a young lineup. The uh, the Igor goalie looks like he can definitely steal from you. Carolina's been the sexy pick for so long. I'm like, I enjoy them, but I'm kind of getting to the point where Steph is with half the league. Do it or don't at this point. I'm tired of you. Carolina's been the favorite, has been the, the, the whatever you said, for one season. They've been the se- Oh, they're going to surprise everyone this year for oh, like well, five years okay. in a row. Yeah. Well, that is fair. They, they they have been like the analytics darling for like five years. But last year was That's the first different. year they were actually good. Yeah, they one season where they actually made the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not talking about their radio decade. shit. I go back to when they were just playing in clubs, all right? Name two albums. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pop culture at me. Oh, man. No, and this- also... Who's good on the Rangers outside of Panarin and that goalie? Like, there's no that's one. Too con- that's kind. That's two big pieces there. In a best of five series, having the potential league MVP and an excellent goalie can win it for you. Who the yeah. fuck's Carolina- Fuck Carolina's goalie? Is it Peter Morozik? Because oh, well. I-, I still okay. get made fun uh, of for him. <laughs> <laughs> that's an excellent point. Fuck I can score too. on that guy. Shoot left. Wait, so Doug- Dougie isn't playing? 
Dougie Hamilton? Dougie Hamilton is not playing. He is out What's for weeks. He's, he's out for weeks. It's apparently a new injury, but he's the 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 latest we have heard is that he he will be out for weeks. Yikes. So not oh, great. Not, not great, Angel. Bob. Well, I heard no, the MoMA just open to the public. Pick, I still pick Carolina in this matchup because I just think that they're the better team. I think the Rangers are trash. The Rangers are trash with Artemi Panera. I thought the Rangers were trash, and now after the layoff, like I think this is kind of a toss-up. <laughs> the Rangers are trash with Artemi Panarin, comma, called a trophy finalist. I, so I believe yeah. one thing that's interesting about this is that I believe, and, and granted, like I'm iffy on going with matchups from the season, but I think the Rangers kicked the shit out of the Hurricanes when they played this year. And I don't know. The Hurricanes have a weird feel for me this year. They just don't feel like they have the same, like... I, I do not know. trust like, them. No, no. Like, last year, it just it felt like they just were, were clicking. You know, they, they really... They believe they had something special that, like, every... They, they had that belief that, in the end, everything was going to break their way. I don't get the sense they have that feeling this year. Like, I feel like this series, it's either going to be Carolina wins in three games because they're just so much better than the Rangers that they just blow them out of the water and Panarin doesn't play that well and that's just it. Or it goes five and the Rangers win it in, like, overtime. I feel like this is the most likely upset series in the East. I'm going to be so mad if the Rangers win. I hate them so much. Same. I nothing the Rangers. I really like the people who run Blue Shirt Panther, so go visit them if you want to know what they're up to. I nothing the Rangers. I have no. I just no feelings. They don't do it for me. They play in a train. Yeah, I hate there's. I hate that it's the most famous arena in the world, and it's never seen like shit. Won there, like oh wow, we won the '94 Cup, and that's it. The Knicks are a disgrace. It's a wrestling venue. Slash train station. That's where I saw the circus. Slash train station. (laughs) All right, so we're gonna go out west for the next one. Uh, Nashville is the favorite against Arizona. I would take Nashville here, but Steph, I just got to take a quick sidebar. What the fuck's going on with your desert dogs? An absolute mess. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't read. Apparently, there was a deeper dive article today about what happened. Yeah, I read it. Yeah, we Um, wished it. I didn't get to read it. What the fuck? Apparently, he was going to go work for the people that own the Devils and all of those other sports teams. Oh, Josh Harris? Yeah, like he was going to work in apparently in some kind of like role above the hockey team. So he would be kind of, I'm assuming, overseeing analytics for like all of their sports Analytics assets. like development, basically. Yeah, so that was apparently, allegedly, the job that he was going for when they decided to part ways. Yeah. Because the, uh, the rumor I heard was, and this was completely unsubstantiated, but the rumor I heard was he was basically going to be handed the keys to the car in Buffalo. Like the Pagoulas oh, were yeah. going to go, here you go. You're whatever oh. title you want to give yourself. Yeah, there was there was some of that bouncing around, but it, do, it does seem like it was the Devils. Um, there's That's been reported by enough people at this point that I trust that it was, it was the Devils. It sounds like what happened, like both reading uh, Greg Wyshynski's article today and just reading between the lines and a couple other things I've read, is that he just, like... You know when, you know when you like, you know you have to deliver bad news to someone, so you sugarcoat it, and it ends up just making things worse because eventually you have to tell them the truth mm. of how bad of. And I think that's kind yes. of what happened here because, like, essentially what it was was that 
they asked for permission to interview to interview Chica, and originally the Coyotes said, "Fuck no, we just signed him to a four year extension. You're not interviewing. I'm sorry." And then Chica convinced them to let him interview because he was like, "I'll just use it as like a fact finding mission. You know, learn about another organization. It'll be great." And they're like, yeah, sure, why not? Okay, it's fine. So he goes interviews, and then apparently they offered him this incredible package. So then he goes back, and he wants to take the offer. And the way he spun it to them at first was like, but I'm going to be running everything. Like, I'm not going to be doing anything, like, you know, specifically about hockey. It's going to be running, like, multiple sports. So how can I turn this down? And they were like, well, this sucks. But I think if that would have been actually what it was, they probably would have eventually been like, all right, you know, fine. It sucks for us and we're pissed but like we'll be okay with it but as it turned out like it sounds like he was going to have a major hand in being like a de facto gm of the devils and he basically just kind of lied to them that hockey ops wasn't a major part of this job and once they found out about that they're like oh fuck this guy and also once they found out about that they released a statement that included the sentence (laughs) Jacob has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dedicated staff, and the Arizona Coyotes fans, the greatest fans in the NHL. Yeah, it was that last sentence. It was that last sentence that made me go, well, the rest of this is bullshit then. If you tell me one (laughs) lie, I think everything's a lie. Yeah, no, but- it's it's like it, it's basically like the equivalent of like breaking up with someone and saying like I just need some space. I'm not going to date in anytime <laughs> soon. And then like two days later, it pops up your Facebook official with someone else. Yeah, Wish suggested that the like the the thing that made it turn ugly was that Chaco wanted to leave now, and they were like, "No, you have to stay through the playoffs." And he was like, eh, "I don't really want to." He's like, "What what do I do in the like?" Yeah. What, what roster moves am I making? And I think that he did it in, like, a really shitty way, if I'm remembering the details correctly. Like, he just, like, removed himself from the COVID testing protocol so, like, he wouldn't yeah. be eligible to go even if he... I'm not going through this shit. Yeah, like, he... It seems like he just was, like, a big kind of... He kind of got shitty about it. They which, said, like, like, his office was just cleaned out one day. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, so... Okay. Took all your pictures down, John. That's weird. Yeah. Would you do that? <laughs> the only thing I want to confirm is that Jacob Chikrin is okay. Like that's who it. can say. Is he even good? I don't know anything. Yeah, he's, he good? he's yeah, okay. he's he's good. He's good. All right, back, I'm back to the Nashville series. In this I, one, yeah, I, uh, Arizona. Yeah, yeah Nashville for sure. Yeah. If, if, I'm if Ar- picking Arizona. <laughs> if Arizona wasn't a dumpster fire, I consider picking them, but they they are. So I'm picking Nashville. Yeah, is there Nashville. something to wanting to prove the GM who quit on your wrong though? No. Yeah. Maybe they get a little inspiration. And I'm so sick of Nashville. I'm so sick of them. I'm picking Arizona, and I don't care if I'm wrong, but I'm picking Arizona. There you go. Yeah, why would I want to? Well, that's actually, you know, normally I'd go that I just want to watch the Nashville. Uh, I just want to watch the Nashville atmosphere, but no, that won't be a thing. <laughs> Can't have it. All right, coming back east, we have the Isles. They are the favorite against Florida. I think this is the easiest one, Isles, and it ain't close. Not even close. Florida's nope. coach took the job to continue to, instead of taking Social Security. Like, Bob he's looked like, oh, so bad. It, I'll just retire and continue to get paid. He looked so bad in this exhibition game, like just comically, comically bad. So for some reason, that still brings me a lot of joy. But, yeah, the Islanders are going to probably win in three. I, I hate him like Wyatt Kalanick. Can we take a step back here and be like, how fucking lucky back. the Islanders are? Like, they suck, and they just happen to play against the one team in the East that sucks worse than them. Correct. <laughs> that is accurate representation. <laughs> <laughs> I think the 
Isles are a well-coached, well-run team. They hit some bumps this year. They're not as good as last year, but I think this is an easy one. I don't want to play the Isles in the playoffs. They play that fucking slop hockey. Ugh. Yeah, it's so hard to score on yeah, them. because they suck. They be trapping. It, and it I don't doesn't, like the it. Florida Panthers <laughs> sucked in 96, but they went to the cup final. <laughs> they be trapping. Oh, my God, Kelly. Uh, they should put that on shirts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have, uh, we have Pittsburgh's the favorite against Montreal. I need Pittsburgh. They're going I just, trying I, to they, lose. If they lose, they're winning the lottery. Yeah, they yeah that's the thing. I, just, I, I need, yeah, I need them to win so that they don't get the fucking first overall. Yeah, that, that's what it boils down to. They're yeah, not going to win. One hundred percent. I am a Pittsburgh fan for this five-game series, and I really want to beat the shit out of them. Set them. I really want the Flyers to beat the shit out of them themselves in the playoffs, and they have to that's get there fair. to do it. You know, one, I respect that. Yeah, one point I will make about Pittsburgh, and I'm very much on board, but I don't want the Flyers to face them. However. I don't think Sidney Crosby is anywhere near Sidney Crosby, no. and that will ma- no. and that will make beating them in the playoffs a lot easier. Yep. You made a really great point in Slack yesterday. Do you want to repeat it, or do you want me to? You can, because I don't remember what the point was. Mm-hmm. So all of the broadcasts were talking about how great Sidney Crosby looked, and if there's anyone outside of Pittsburgh that knows how good Sidney Crosby can look. It's Flyers fans, and he looked like trash. He did. Yeah, like, <laughs> Sidney Crosby looking great is he has the puck on his stick and is skating circles around us for an entire shift. Mm-hmm. Like, that's him great. Like, that's not what he was yesterday at all. No, he looked, he looked like trash yesterday. He looked mobile. He looked like he wasn't injured, I guess. He didn't, I guess. He didn't look physically unwell. Allegedly, I, he just—he did not. He looked bad. He looked bad yesterday. I don't think he's one hundred percent at all. He's not. No, There's he's absolutely not. no way. There's no way. Mm-mm. Or maybe it's just over. Maybe he just felt one these, can hope. these four and a half months ended his career. <laughs> what if he just stinks? Now? Okay, Bill. Hang him up, Sid. You did good. Go all right, now. did he? So no, we have uh, we have Edmonton as the favorite against Chicago. I think Edmonton, Edmonton is dangerous. I mean, See, they I got that both, one guy. I, I think so. both these teams suck. It's just that Edmonton's really good players are still really good, and Chicago's really good players aren't as good as they used to be. I mean, Edmonton's really good players are, like, best in the game. So That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, like, at one time, Chicago's really good players were among the best in the game, and now, they're just, now, they're, just, now they're just good. Yeah, I don't know if I ever would have called Kane and Taze the best in the game, but you Not would. The best. I would. They were, they were they were both top ten. But with yeah, like they were Duncan top. Keith in the in there but too, and Marion Hosa too, an alien. You know, just anyway. Yeah, I, just, I think in four. In this weird world we're in, they're gonna get like McDavid and Drysaitel have a chance to get hot. They have a chance to get a goalie going. Like I, I just, I think they could be a little dangerous out west. Yeah. Chicago's so bad. Yeah, Chicago. No, I think Edmonton yeah. could win this in three, no problem. But I'm like, just saying, moving I, into the playoffs after that, I think Edmonton could be more dangerous than people think. My conspiracy theory is that they made this whole situation for the playoffs as as many teams as they did, so that Chicago could be in the playoffs. Yeah. Air quotes the playoffs. They're so bad. They're so bad. Yeah, them There's and the Rangers. No it was made advancing. for those markets. So, there's no way. 
so the reason why I don't think Edmonton, I, I I look at Edmonton as a paper tiger. Like I think they win the series, but I look at them as a paper tiger for this reason. The only reason why they were good this year is because of their special teams. Like their power play is one of the best in the last ten years, and I just feel like in the playoffs there's going to be fewer penalties called. And they're not going to be able to take as much advantage of that when the the refs start swallowing their whistles. And then they're going to be screwed. Probably, but then Connor McDavid can just do Connor McDavid things. And if he's able to do those things enough, yeah. you know. Maybe. I mean, if the league had any sense, they'd be like, if anyone gets their stick within nine inches of Connor McDavid, call a penalty. Gretzky like, rules. Give him the Gretzky rules. <laughs> yeah. If the why league not? had any sense, this is what you do. Like, <laughs> guess why LeBron gets every foul shot? Like, yeah. this is how you build a star. <laughs> but they won't. <laughs> he will. He'll get his fucking teeth knocked out like Crosby, and they'll put their whistles away, and it'll be over in the first round. Fucking Brandon Manning taking yeah. down Connor McDavid. Yeah, Brandon Manning will get the fucking Con Smythe. <laughs> All right, so we have Toronto, the huge favorite against Columbus. Is another upset coming? Columbus no. has done this before. Fuck off. Oh, God. I would love, and, and we know that I really like Toronto, but the idea of Columbus playing upset oh, again. Gross. It would, it would make me laugh. Toronto on their own home ice. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah. that part of it is delicious because their fans be, are insufferable. But, but I also just like in terms Columbus. of watching, you know, hockey – wouldn't mind seeing Toronto's best players for a round or two. A little bit. I, uh, yeah, as long as, I just, I really hope that they don't end up with Boston in the first round again. I just can't <laughs> deal with it again. It's just so, <laughs> enough already. Oh my Whatever God. happens, I'll, do I'll, not draw Boston. I'll tell you one thing, though. Like, Leafs fans are really worried about this matchup. Like they, they they really they really think this is a bad matchup for Toronto because because Toronto can't win. If they win, they're <laughs> fucking supposed to. If they lose, it's the end of times. It's true. <laughs> Dave Hackstall will be their head coach if they lose. Oh God, <laughs> it's God happening. Help all of us. Uh, yes. And then You're my not God, wrong. how good would that? I love oh, it. I can taste I it. it. I'm so like full, it. but I'm taking another bite. <laughs> Remember when there was an article run on BroadStreetHockey.com that Dave Haxtell isn't that bad for the Toronto Maple Leafs? And we should fire. I think the them. penalty kill got. A, I think the penalty kill got a lot worse this year. Of course, oh, it no did. I wonder shit. why. I for one am shocked by that development. Yeah. Matt, wow. I'm sorry, but you've been canceled. Gotta I go. can't believe sorry. that when teams pull their goalies, they give up more goals. Wild stuff. <laughs> uh, Fucking Dave. Yeah, I hate him. Same. All right, so Vancouver against Minnesota. Vancouver's the favorite. Go yeah, Canucks, I guess. The Wild <laughs> yeah. are just a bunch of yeah, – that's just, just a trash poop hockey team. There's no way. The funny the funny thing is I actually think I would pick the Wild in the series, but I just don't want to have to look at the Wild anymore, so go Vancouver. Really? No. We've got yeah. Brock Besser. We've got uh, – Other guys. Pedersen. Other players. I can't say his first name. Pedersen. And you've got, you know, the other guy. Those guys. They got Huge. Quinn Hughes. That's that's the other guy that I'm. He's mentioned. good. Like let's fucking Vancouver. Just Brock Besser. That's all I care about. Vancouver. I'm all in. All right. Yeah, I was I was watching the uh, I was watching the Avalanche broadcast against Minnesota today, and they were making because like the Avs gave up two shitty goals, and they're like, listen, 
this is an exhibition and all, but you got to remember, this Minnesota team is way more skilled than they've been in the past. They scored, like, they're averaging more goals per game than they did, like, in the previous 19 seasons of their franchise or whatever. So it's like, it's not your same old boring Minnesota. It's like, they always will be. Yes, it is. It's still boring and stupid. Yeah, so go go Vancouver, I suppose. All right, so real fast, I'm taking the Flyers off the table. Let's just get it on the record. Who do you have winning the cup? I'm taking Colorado. The Flyers, bitch. I'm taking them the off fly- the table. You can't take them off <laughs> the can't. table because they're winning. Then choose your Western Conference champion. Avalanche. The Golden Knights. Tampa Bay. Gross Charles. Gross. All right, yeah, they're finally going to get it done. I like it. That could finally be Finally getting it done. All right, do we have anything else? No. Um, If you watch the... NBC broadcast on Sunday, you're going to see probably the entire Driver family watching from uh, afar. I believe that we will be one of the families that they're doing a virtual watch party with. What? That's fun. Not only me, but my niece and nephew. My niece is turning 16 on Friday, so this is her my gift to her. What about your dad? Um. Uh, my dad will oh, be there. Yes. I'm, br- I'm bringing dad them all. Driver. Everyone's going to be wearing my orange shirts. God, like yes. We're all going to be there. So if you if you see us on TV. I met you know, Dad Driver me one time, and I knew he was Australian, but then he fucking talked, and I was like, oh, my God, it's real. <laughs> it was like seeing a kangaroo. <laughs> the one time you met Dad Driver when, when you, you had a stroke. Yeah. me down the stairs oh, yeah, when that. I was having a stroke. <laughs> That little yeah, episode. No, he's yeah, so Australian. I had to temper my outward like excitement, but I was like, <laughs> "Can you say kookaburra?" <laughs> uh, one day we'll get him on this podcast. Uh, he doesn't know hockey at all, but one day we'll get him on. That's fine. Neither do I. <laughs> all right, everybody. That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. As you can tell, we are excited. We know you're excited too, and that's why all the content is coming back. Checking out the competition with Kelly, my post games, uh, the Flyers forecast, all that shit. I don't even know what all of it was. The wrap up, I don't know. We have so much. All you have to do to get it search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. Hit subscribe. It gets delivered right to you. That's it. Boom. Problem solved. Hockey content taken care of. Broad Street Hockey. That's it. So that's all the time we have for you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz for Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about?